welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and I have a story to share with you that is irrelevant to anything that's going to happen in this episode, but it's just been on my mind for like two or three months now. <laughs> I just I just want to tell you. Okay, so strap up. The story starts with a tragedy. I bought a new phone about a year ago, and it came with the most perfect headphones I've ever encountered. But here's the trick. They do not sell this exact headphone separately. You have to get it with a new Samsung. So I love these headphones. They are perfect. And one day in early March, I was listening to a podcast, had my phone in my back pocket, so the cord was sticking out from the back pocket. And as I was standing, it got caught on a shelf, and the little jack on the headphones broke off. So, okay, I go to the store and I buy crappy new ones. I always like to follow the second cheapest wine principle. If you're familiar with the sketch, I'll link to it in the show notes if you're not. But basically, the principle is you should always order the second cheapest bottle of wine because the cheapest just makes you look cheap. But the second one makes you look like you know stuff. So I did this with the headphones. I got the second cheapest pair. I wore them for a week and I had such bad headaches from the static that they produced. It was really, really bad. So... It's now been, what, a week, week and a half, and it was becoming very clear that Germany was about to shut down, or at least Freiburg was. So I remember this day so clearly. It was the last day I ran a bunch of errands around town, and one of them was going to the store and exchanging the headphones. So I find this other pair. They're like the third cheapest, so it's another step up, and I go to the front. I've got my receipt, and I'm like, hey, I'd like to exchange these. And the lady at the cash register is like, what's wrong with them? And I was like, it was, I don't know, it was super weird. Like, they were so staticky, I got a headache. And she was like, I've never heard of that happening before. And I was like, yeah, me neither, actually. But I don't know what happened to me. And she goes over to the corner. Keep in mind, this whole conversation's in German. And she was kind of an older lady. It sounded like she smoked. Like, her voice was very raspy and unclear. And also, she spoke really strong badish, which I can usually understand But sometimes there's phrases that I don't quite get or I'm just slower with it. Like I don't really catch on to what they're saying until like five minutes later. So anyway, she comes back and she goes, links get her net. And I'm like, "Um, what? And she goes, links get her net. (laughs) I was like, again, I don't understand you. Then she goes, links get her net. And I was like, okay, these words. In my mind, I know what they are. These individual words mean left, it does not go. 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 I try saying it in all these different ways in my head to see if I can make sense of these words because I'm like, I know them individually, but I don't know what she's saying when you put them together. So I basically just start doing my dealing with German customer service tactic, which is just start raising your voice and getting all worked up like, das geht aber gar nicht, das darf nicht sein. Which is basically, that is totally unacceptable. It can't be this way. I refuse. Something like this, right? And and meanwhile, she just keeps repeating to me, things get on it. <laughs> and then she just was ringing up the new headphones while I was confusedly slightly raising my voice at her. And then at the end, I see that I only have to pay the difference between the two headphones. So she did accept the return. And she said, now you know for next time. And I'm like, thanks. And I left. I was just like, okay, so she did the thing I wanted, but I do not understand how we got there. 
it was really bothering me that she didn't say it in a different way. You know, it was clear I'm foreign. It was clear I didn't know what she was saying. But it was also clear that I speak German. So she could have just used other words to make me understand. Fast forward a couple days. I'm on a socially distanced hike with friends. And one of them is from the area. And I tell her the story. And I, and I tell her what this person said. And she says, yeah, it means it doesn't work on the left. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. What does that mean? And she was like, no, 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 it doesn't work on the left. What was happening was that woman was only allowed to accept that return if the headphones were broken. And so she said, links get on it. The left ear is broken as a sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, so that she would be allowed to accept the return. And she said, now, you know, for next time, so that I would then know if I need to return them again, I can just claim that the left ear isn't working. And I was like, oh my God, that lady was being so nice and sneaky. That's so great. That's great customer service. (laughs) And it was just three days later when I could finally understand what was happening. I'd left that story, I swear to you, in such a cranky mood being like, German customer service, they're so unhelpful turns out she was actually being super helpful and I was actually understanding her. I just wasn't getting the wink, wink, nudge, nudge of it all. Anyway, I've been thinking about that story for weeks, months now. (laughs) The new headphones worked out, by the way, in case you're worried. They're fine. They're not like the original ones. I forever will mourn the loss of them. But uh, yeah, I just think about that lady. I don't, that was super nice of her. That was super helpful. And I would have said a nicer thank you (laughs) if I'd understood what was happening at the time. So you know what? This one is to that lady at Satoran who helped me exchange my headphones right before the world shut down for weeks and weeks and weeks. (laughs) Okay, I hope you enjoyed this completely irrelevant detour. Now on to today's episode. It does have something to do with coronavirus. It was in fact recorded during the shutdown with a guest who is in a situation where she is trying to decide if she should move to Germany or not. We'd been trying to schedule this talk for a while, and when the shutdown happened, I thought, okay, you know what, this is perfect timing, because this whole global pandemic situation really sharpens your vision on a lot of things, including things like where you live and what you want out of your future. So we did record this back in late March, early April, and you'll hear us reference things that happened way back then in in March and April, so just so you don't get confused about that. You know, we talk about in this episode things like how cheap airfare might not be a thing anymore, how at least in the short term future, it's pretty unlikely that people who live abroad are going to be able to visit their friends and family. So all of these challenges really change what it means to be an expat in this modern world. And what does that mean for every individual? That's a big question to answer. But for now, you'll get to hear the musings of two individuals as we try to figure out what it means for us. And I hope you enjoy. So my name is Emily Wenzel, and I am a born and bred Washingtonian. I lived in the same house in the same town for the first 18 years of my life. And I now live in Spokane, Washington with my husband, our daughter, and our cat and dog. How long have you lived in Spokane? So my husband and I actually met at Gonzaga University, which is here in Spokane. Then we moved to Seattle for about three years, and we've been back here for almost seven years. What's your international story? How does how does the 
world beyond Washington come into play? <laughs> Two days after my 18th birthday, I studied abroad for a year in the Czech Republic. I um, took a gap year. I studied abroad with a program called AFS, American Field Services, and you, they limit where you can study when you're over 18. And so like on a whim, I was like, why not the Czech Republic? And it ended up being really fantastic. And it kind of like shaped my life in ways I didn't know. Cause then like when I came back, I wanted to hang out with more international people. And that's kind of how I met my husband. He is German. Um, he was born in Munich. Um, he's lived in the US since he was nine. His dad got a job at Microsoft and they moved over here when he was a kid. Okay, cool. And is then his immediate family is also in the States? Right. So his mom and uh, stepdad live in the Seattle area. His brother and sister-in-law, they actually just cut short a trip where they've been traveling around the U.S. Um, in their RV because of coronavirus. And his dad and his stepmom live in the Atlanta area. Still spread out somewhat, but at least in yeah. the same country. <laughs> his family's all over the globe. <laughs> So your decision to live in at least Washington seems clear, like that's where you met, both of you have family there, but is that true? Like, or did you guys ever consider moving somewhere else? We've actually considered moving to Germany three times, I think. Briefly talked about it when we were dating right after we graduated from college. We graduated in 2010 and you might remember there were like no jobs anywhere. <laughs> So we moved to Seattle, lived there for a couple of years. It turns out I hate the rain. And so we decided to move back to Spokane because we really like the weather here and it's a good sized town. So what was time number two that you guys considered moving to Germany? When we left Seattle, we were looking for jobs here in the Spokane area. And then we also were kind of looking in Germany, but nothing really struck us. And because my husband grew up in the U.S., he didn't know a lot about like how to find a job in Germany. And then you got, I assume that you, so you found jobs in Spokane, 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 how do you say it? Spokane, weird little history lesson, because I was a history major. Um, (laughs) It comes from a Native American term, and it used to not have the E at the end, but they added the E because they like the way it looks better in English. Oh. Which I feel like is a very common thing for English to do to other languages. (laughs) So then you're in Spokane, you've been there for a while, and then what's, so what's time number three that Germany has come on the radar? So we've actually been talking about it more recently, probably in the past like six months or so we've been looking into it, but with coronavirus kind of put everything on hold, not just for us, but I feel like everybody. How far into this idea were you guys pre-COVID? We had been starting to look at jobs and had been reaching out to like some contacts we had in the Munich area. I was petitioning a bit for Berlin, but I think I lost that battle. (laughs) My husband loves the mountains and I don't really blame him because the Alps are stunning. Let's just let's just talk about coronavirus and the fact that it's happening because <laughs> <laughs> so we initially wanted to talk about the choice of where to live and how family specifically plays into that and that is what I want to talk to you about but also I I I mean I think for both of us and for probably everyone <laughs> a global pandemic sure does a number on you in terms of making you see your choices in a different light and perhaps in a more you know, sharper focus, I guess. Like the ideas that you maybe had about location are now heavier. So what does that look like for you? It's been really interesting. So our daughter is three years old and I feel like for the past three to four years, we've really been in this super fantastic time of the golden age of cheap flights, yeah. um, at least from the U.S. to Germany. 
So we've been able to, since she was born, we've gone to Europe five times. So we've been to Germany four times and we actually took her to the Czech Republic to meet my host family once as well. It made it a lot easier because his extended family, his grandparents, all his aunts and uncles, for the most part, live in Germany. So it's been really great. Like I have seen some of my really good Czech friends more in the past couple of years than I had in like the decade before. It's also really bittersweet for us because one of my best friends from the Czech Republic is currently on contract in Munich right now. Oh man! So the thought that like if he stayed there and then we moved that we would have a built-in system already with having his grandparents, our daughter's great-grandparents and like all that. So like it's, it's definitely been an abrupt halt. I'm wondering if our trip where we're supposed to go back for almost 85th birthday in August is even going to happen. It's just one of those things that like if we moved, how often would we be able to visit family in the U.S.? And how often would we be able to visit Germany if we stay? It's definitely changed that, like, because it's been so easy for us to travel and it's been so cheap. And then to not know if that will happen in the future makes it even harder. I relate to that a lot because I got into a point with my parents where we sort of had this idea that I would come back to the States definitely for Christmas every year or around Christmas time every year, maybe one additional time, depending if there's like special events or what have you. But my parents would come to Europe or at least some mutual point. We'd meet up somewhere in the world for vacation together once a year. So sometimes over the Easter holidays, this year it was supposed to be over summer. And, you know, we had just kind of gotten into this rhythm in the last maybe year, year and a half. And I was so comfortable with it. And this was going to be the first year where I was like, wow, this is such a perfect balance for me. I just, it was all going to play out in this like wonderful, magical, perfect way. And yeah, so I became really adjusted to this vision for my future. And now I'm sitting here already our summer trip. It's not going to happen. So now I don't know when I'll see my parents again. It's not impossible to think that our financial situations are changing and maybe meeting up once a year for a epic vacation together is not so realistic. And how do I feel about yeah. that? How does that change things? So interesting because like my parents are about a two and a half hour drive away, but we can't even see them. Like it wouldn't matter if we were here or in Germany. I can't go see them right now because we're in Washington state and we're basically under a lockdown situation. Right. So it's definitely been interesting because like we have family that is so close and yet we can't do anything. My husband's uncle lives in Brazil and Brazil has instituted something. I think that like you can only fly somewhere if it's the country like where you have like residency. So for him, like he's still a German citizen with Brazilian residency, but there are no direct flights from where he lives in Brazil to Germany. So even if he needed to get home to Germany, he wouldn't be able to right now. And just it's making me think about how like maybe our our, like grandparents generation would have felt about travel, like where you put someone on a boat and you didn't know if you would ever see them again. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a shift in perspective because I think a lot of us are able to make peace with our choices to live abroad because it's it's easier than it's ever been to stay connected, be that online, through video chat, even phone calls, you know, that was exciting for our grandparents' generation. Or like we're saying, like the visits themselves were just so doable. But when you take all that away, how viable is an international life? Like those sacrifices are then real sacrifices. Right. Because for you guys, either you're in Germany, then you're flying back to the States to visit your parents or your kids' grandparents. If you're living in the States, then you're flying back to maintain 
relationships with extended family. So like, do you have to do this weird calculation of like which family is closer? Right. When we were talking about moving most recently, it came down to a couple of things, but like one is that like my parents and his parents, they're still decently young. So like they can fly the grandparents. I mean, like we'd be going back in August for Oma's 85th birthday. And we were just back there last year for Opa's 90th birthday. So like they're all in their like late eighties to nineties. Yeah. And like, they don't travel on his mom's side. His mom is one of seven kids. Wow. Yeah. It's really uncommon in Germany. Yeah. (laughs) So we did, we flew back there when my daughter was five months old and it was actually for my first mother's day. And they had like an only family and most everybody was their thing on his mom's side. And it was like 25 people. Wow. And then like last spring, we flew back for Opa's 90th birthday and they like invited a bunch of friends and that family's much smaller. So even with like extended family and friends, we had less people than we're just like a casual family lunch on his mom's side. Which honestly, I think is more common for Germans is that like you and all your closest friends and family does not break 20. (laughs) Right. Right. And so it's like, it's definitely like the two extremes of like German life, like because his dad's side lives in the Munich area. I mean, like they're in one of the suburbs of Munich and his mom's side lives in the Rheingau, which is a region along the Rhine River between like Frankfurt and Koblenz. And most everybody lives in like one of the little villages. So like they all know each other. A lot of them have married someone that also grew up in that area. So like they can't like walk down the street without running into like 12 people they know. I mean, like it is like the total like little German village, like everybody says hello and guten tag to each other. It's just a completely different experience than Munich. Yeah, but that's so interesting then because there's like all of these big, strong family units in like four different spots around the, around the world, around these right. different countries. So I guess you've had to make peace from the get-go with the fact that like you're never going to have the situation where you can be in one spot and spend Saturday with your whole extended family and Sunday with his whole extended family. Like that's just never going to be your life. But then the question is, then who do you choose and where do you choose? And and what is, what are the lines between choosing because of family versus choosing because the country's social structure fits you or the country's culture fits you or your job's there, you know, like all of these other things that are also really important. How do you guys manage to prioritize It's funny because I grew up doing that. Like I remember as a kid that we would like Christmas Eve with one family, Christmas morning with like this other, like just our family, Christmas afternoon. Like we we did like all of this, especially with my mom's side of the family. They all have, when I was growing up, lived within an hour of each other. But I think we just are all more scattered than we used to be because of travel being so easy. Like I know so many people who have siblings on different parts of the U.S. even. For us, I realized probably about six months after I studied abroad during my gap year that no matter where I lived, I'd always be homesick. And I think my husband's kind of got that same thought process. If we lived in Germany, there would always be people and things we would miss about the U.S. And living here, there's always something we miss about Germany and Europe and the Czech Republic. We're never going to have that family structure that like I have friends who have grandparents in town. They babysit all the time. And like there's huge family dinners and impromptu family events and it's never been that way for us. It's always been something that had to be really planned. I don't know. It just, it's, it's always going to be that way. And it's kind of sucky, but like we both went into our relationship knowing that even from the get go, we knew that we would always be drawn in different directions and we just had to go with our gut. Right now it's really hard because there are things that really draw us to moving to Germany. 
I love living in a German city. Like when we go now, we'll go for like two weeks and we'll just stay there. And like we grocery shop and we go to the park and we meet friends for coffee. Like we're not doing touristy things. I've been to Munich like a dozen times. I don't need to go see Marienplatz again. Right. (laughs) It is a really good spot to get a nice like head-sized pretzel. I will say that. Which, you know what, even the locals can get down for a head-sized pretzel. I mean, (laughs) no one's too good for that. (laughs) Well, so one thing I'm impressed by hearing how you guys are as a couple and like how your husband grew up, he moved to the U.S. when he was pretty young, but he has such a strong connection to his extended family still that they're not only a part of his life, but they're a part of your life and your kid's life. You know, it it would be reasonable in a way to be like, okay, you know, he grew up half a world away from his aunts and uncles. Those relationships, while they're still there in some form, they're people we're going to see every five years or something like that. But that's not the case. Somehow they managed to stay so connected that they are still an active and frequent part of him. Do you know how they managed that? Or have you guys as a couple like learned any strategies to forming bonds and maintaining re- relationships from so far away? So I think part of that is, I think, I think there's like two types of people. Like, I think there's people who can restart a relationship of any type, friendship, family, after not seeing people for months on end. And it just kind of like picks up, like, you know, you have some of those friends and then there's other people like they need to be in constant contact with their people to continue that relationship. And I feel like his family, especially on his mom's side, really made an effort as they were growing up to do that. Like, I know when he was a kid, they would go back maybe not like every summer, but they would try to go back for a few weeks at a time. When they first moved to the U.S., I don't think his mom could work here because of the visas. And so where they would just like take summer vacation and go back for quite a few weeks. We actually stay with family quite regularly. Every time we come, it's like big family dinners and like seeing everybody. And just that family really puts emphasis on their family connections. Like, I will fully admit that, like, my cousins and I are not nearly as close as my husband is with his cousins. And they live in different countries. And all my cousins are, like, in the same state as me. Yeah, no, but, like, it's cool to hear because I I grew up really similar to you. And so my model of how to be a family is very much, you know, when we were kids, all 18 of my cousins and I would play every weekend and every holiday was, was with them and... And that still goes on like to this day. The family is still close. For me, part of wanting me to have this conversation with you is because I'm trying to answer a lot of these questions for myself. Like I'm having the feeling that I want to stay in Germany, but it's hard to imagine what that would look like because that would mean that it's impossible for me to provide that same style of familial upbringing that I experienced. And so weighing the pros and cons of that is hard, but it's also like really cool to hear the ways that his family has made it work and that it hasn't really been a detriment. Obviously, you have additional challenges you have to face because you're torn, your heart, like you said, your heart's in so many different places around the world. But at the same time, that just opens up the world of possibilities. Your heart is there. Like you have so many homes to choose from. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up in a small town. Only did I have like you did with like the cousins and everything. Like we would have like cousins Christmas and like pool parties. But um, I went to school from preschool through high school graduation with my twin cousins. Wow. In a high school of less than 400 kids, if that tells you about the kind of place I grew up. So like I was ready to run away. Yeah. Um, by the time I hit 18, like I was so ready to run away. I studied abroad 6,000 miles away. <laughs> I'm the black sheep of my family. 
So it's just hilarious in that way that like most of my family still like lives in the same town, sees each other quite regularly. One of my cousins is now a teacher at the school. And then like there's me and I just flitter in and out. I, I don't know. I feel like the great thing about family is that they always welcome you back in. And I feel so lucky that his family has just adopted me in as well. We're also really lucky that I speak fluent German. And this is one of those things where like, you have to wonder like what kind of fates have had a hand in your life. Um, I studied abroad in the Czech Republic, but while I was there, I met one of their young teachers at my high school and she spoke really good English and encouraged me to take her German class where she was teaching like first year German. So I started studying German while living in the Czech Republic and then decided to keep it up when I went to college and then met my husband and his extended family. And so like, wow. I can speak to them in German. Like I probably am at like a B2 level. Our house is like 50-50 German-English. He speaks to our daughter only in German and I speak to her only in English and she speaks both and she understands both. She tends to speak more English, but she sometimes throws German in there and confuses everyone around her that doesn't speak German. <laughs> so do you think about like, if you do go forward with the move to Germany, how you would then maintain your daughter's relationship with her grandparents or your parents? Because that would mean that all four parents plus some step parents involved, they're all where you are now. I would assume that for the first year to two years that we would be able to still bring her back here for like summer vacations but it was also I think it'd be harder like especially with not knowing what's going to happen. Do you know how your parents feel about that notion? Because I think something I think about a lot I'm like my parents having grown up in that same area that they're from having raised their kids in the area that they're from like you said I'm, I'm the black sheep too and so but that means that they weren't really it wasn't really on their radar that this could happen that one of their kids could just like up and move to a different country. <laughs> And they've handled it really well. But like, you know, your husband's parents, for instance, they have sort of one conceptual understanding of what it might mean for their granddaughter to move away because that happened with their kid and they know what that looks like and how they made that work. But for your parents who that was maybe not on their radar until you like moved to Prague when you were 18, 19. <laughs> um, how do they feel about it now? I don't think my parents would ever come visit us. I can't see my dad wanting to fly that far. So that's something really hard to think about. It would be hard because it would put all of it on us. There wouldn't be that ability like you were talking about, to, you know, you go home one time, they come to you one time. But I also feel like with technology, like it's so much easier to keep in touch. I don't know. Maybe my husband's mom would move back to Germany if we moved. I don't know. I feel like it, a lot of the, the work for maintaining the relationship falls on the person who is the expat. So like in this case, it would be my husband as the expat who lives in the U.S. Like it's his job to make the trips to visit family in Germany. And then if we were the expats living in Germany, then it would be my job. I guess technically I'd be the only expat. Um, my daughter's a German citizen. One thing that's occurring to me with the coronavirus is one of the reasons I've always said that I might want to stay in Germany or at least start a family here is because the social structures are so strong and I feel like the whole family environment is just much more doable here. And then the lifestyle for the kids is just more something more in line with what I would want and more in line with how I would want to would want to raise my child. And so if I have the choice to do that in a place where it feels like that'll fit right in, of course, I want to do that here versus going back to the U.S. and having to be like 
the weirdo who's doing everything differently all the time. <laughs> so those are a lot of things that, that factor into it. But for me, yeah, a big one is just this general sense that I am supported and that the government and the systems here are in place to help me should anything go wrong always comforted me and always worried me about the states. And now I feel like I'm having all of those fears confirmed in a way that I never really wanted to experience. Like, it just seems like I'm seeing all of the benefits of the German structure playing out pretty well, and they're able to handle the situation relatively well, all things considered, versus the U.S. where, you know, my friends are getting pay cuts or losing jobs. They're having to drastically change the timeline of their lives because their schooling is delayed or they can only sort of afford their apartment now. So there's no way that they could afford a kid. Like there's just all of these serious negative consequences happening economically, let alone people are literally dying. That feels to me like it's like exemplifying that loose feeling that I always had. Now I, I have something to point to. I'd rather not have something right. to point to. I'd rather that this was never a thing, but it's happening. And so, yeah, and so that's weighing on me. Do you think along those lines at all, especially because you do have a kid? Moving to Germany would, is on our radar right now because we are the weirdos. <laughs> we, we are the weirdos. My husband moved here when he was in third grade. So like he still remembers early elementary in Germany and the German way of life, spending more time at home, not going to the store all the time, like things being closed on Sundays. We like right now we are the weird Germans and I've always appreciated the German safety net and the social security that comes to people in Germany. There's the the child money that Germans get when they have children and like the US obviously doesn't have that. There's just the costs associated with having kids in the US. Like daycare costs here are so astronomical compared to in Europe. You know, like Washington is one of the special states now that we actually have paid family leave for like 12 weeks. Nice. Um, it just it just started this year. Apparently, a lot of people are using it right now to take care of their sick family members, which I think is fantastic. But there isn't that security. Our daycare is currently closed. So luckily, we're not paying for it during coronavirus. But I'm also not working. So I'm not making money. So it's kind of a wash. My husband is luckily considered essential. Um, he's able to work from home. But it was pretty chilling. I don't know if you saw this, but the, like the German like consulates in the U.S. issued a notice like two or three weeks ago telling Germans that if they didn't feel that their situation was secure to contact the embassies and they would take them home to Germany, mm-hmm. which was really interesting because like I don't think that's ever happened in the U.S. That basically they didn't feel that Americans were taking care of the Germans abroad and they wanted to give them a chance to go back to Germany if they needed it. Well, so the U.S. did also offer that to its citizens abroad. I think actually, yeah. basically they all said, get home, get wherever you want to be stuck. <laughs> if you'd like to be stuck where you are, stay put. But for people who were like studying abroad, yeah. or what have you, the US would help them get home or vice versa, the German government would help, help yeah. them get home. So, but it was pretty interesting. It's definitely one of those things I think about in probably like a year and a half ago, there was a school shooting pretty close to us. And that really hit me like, is that safety of having a child here growing up here? So like, it's, it's a really hard decision to make. Like, do you live near family? Or do you live where you feel that like, reflects your family values as a small family unit? And it's a question we still can't answer. Isn't that funny? It's like you you've started to have an idea of how to answer it and started to move in that direction. And then the world was like, nope, think about it more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe you should work on some things at home. Yeah. It's one thing, like, I guess why I wanted to emphasize coronavirus's role in this when I talked about it at the beginning is because I think 
it does make you stop and think and look at those choices. And like, you're a perfect example of that. Whether you decide to move or you decide to stay, either way, that decision will be different than it was before. And I think a more informed, thought out decision is always a good idea. So I guess I'll say for the better, though, again, caveat, I wish this all never happened. (laughs) But at least there's that, you know, like at least we didn't ask for this opportunity to stop and stare at our decisions, but we've been given it. So here we go. (laughs) Right. I've been thinking of the perks of all of this because my husband's working from home every day like our daughter sees him more and since she went to you know an American daycare and I tend to be the primary parent she was surrounded by more English but since he's been home we're actually seeing more improvement in her German that like she normally only gets when we go to Germany so that's been kind of exciting but it's still like one of those things where like I just feel like the planet told us we needed to just all stop and think about our lives for a few minutes yeah (laughs) or months right (laughs) well so I know you're in the throes of your own decision right now but you know I've shared with you a little bit about where I'm at trying to organize my thoughts on the topic and I think there's I think there's a lot of people like me like you like us who are sitting here slightly uncomfortably in this moment thinking about the consequences of their choices do you have any any advice or words of wisdom I really feel like you just need to take it one day at a time and realize that like no location is going to fix your homesickness. You're always going to miss something somewhere and you just have to decide if you're where you feel happy right now and that nothing's permanent. For us, actually a move would be a pretty big consideration. And the reason we have been considering this so carefully is that my husband is a green card holder and not a U.S. citizen as well. So it could be quite difficult if we ever wanted to move back to the U.S. As we like to say, there are a lot of countries in the EU. So um, <laughs> there's, there's always something to do. It may not be an easy choice to make or an easy move to make, but I think that it's important to just never consider that you're stuck somewhere, although we're all stuck right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's such a good point because in almost every situation, there's another solution that you just haven't thought of yet. And now we have the chance to stop and think about it And maybe in this thinking, we're going to see the other solutions that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. I also think if people are looking at someone and they're starting to date someone who is not from the same area as them, even if it's just like the same area of the U.S., that like knowing that you might have to move at some point (laughs) and being open to that. Like, I know it's hard for a lot of couples or families if one of them wants to move abroad. But like, I think we both went into this knowing that we could end up anywhere in the world our daughter actually has been asking for the last like three or four weeks when she gets to go on a plane again and I don't have an answer for her (laughs) I just feel like it's okay to to make these changes so with that we will around the corner and head to home with our ending segment which is called zack 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 so it's a rapid fire question round where I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it overthinking it just go with your gut are you ready I'm ready What is on your coronavirus quarantine reading list? Ooh, um, I still need to crack open the book my husband gave me for Christmas. Oh, sorry, honey. Um, (laughs) And it's called The D-Day Girls. And it's about the role of some women, I do believe in England during um, World War II. I'm a huge history buff as far as like historical fiction goes. So I'm kind of excited. What is one place that you've always wanted to visit, but somehow the plans always fall through or it never ends up happening? Oh my gosh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I have the perfect one. Um, Neuschwanstein. 
<laughs> to, to the point where on our daughter's first trip to Germany, we booked three days in Schwangau, which is like at the base of Neuschwanstein down in the Alps. And we went to Hohenschwangau, which is like the other castle. And then our daughter had a meltdown and we skipped Neuschwanstein. Oh, no. <laughs> so like I've, I've been to Munich, I don't even know, like eight or 10 times. I still, <laughs> like I have seen it and I still haven't gone. It's really embarrassing. At this point, it's almost impressive. It's like, how long can you go? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, okay. And finally, almost in the opposite of that, what's one place that you could just keep revisiting countless times? Ooh, I have two. One is here in Washington, and it's called the Metau Valley in the North Cascades National Park. And it's like this huge national park, and it's up in the mountains, and it's gorgeous. And then the second is um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, we got the chance to go to Greece. And it's my dream to go to Greece. And I loved it. And I would love to go back and visit like every single island. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little difficult when you live on the West Coast. You'll get there. You'll get there. Hey, you never know. Maybe you'll just be like, you know what? The solution to this whole mess is we're just going to move to a random island in Greece. That's it. <laughs> I mean, Greek Greek can't be that hard to learn. It's only got a completely different alphabet. Right. Yeah. And it it's famous in English in the saying, it's all Greek to me, a.k.a. I don't understand right. a single thing. So <laughs> it bodes well. <laughs> Emily, if people want to follow along in your journey, maybe see what you end up deciding or connect with you, where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram at, at wenzel.house and it's German house, H-A-U-S. And I occasionally post there about life and our travels and right now about working on our house since we're not going anywhere. (laughs) Wonderful. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, Thank you so much for taking some time out of your quarantine day to (laughs) come talk to me. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Emily for coming onto the show. I've linked Emily's Instagram in the show notes, and you can also find links to my Instagram there too. That's at the expatcast, and I'm also at the expatcast on Twitter. And as always, I really, really, really love it when you can leave me a review. I've gotten a couple new ones recently, as well as a couple very wonderful emails, so thank you to the listeners who've been sending those in. And hey, if you've been thinking of sending me a note and you haven't, go ahead and go for it, because I'm telling you, you guys are fueling this train with your encouragement. Please keep it coming. A reminder, if you're an expat in Germany and you'd like to come on the show and tell us why you love your new town or city or village or wherever you are, (laughs) we have the new Travel Germany series where we'll be highlighting different places around Germany all through the guidance of an expat who is in that area. So if you live somewhere cool in Germany, shoot me a note because I would love to highlight that place. We'll be back in your feeds on Thursday with an episode about the relocation industry. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.